welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Give God a hand praise right there. Yeah. Well, we bless the name of God today, and thank God. You may be, well, might as well stay standing because we're going to read the word. I want you all to read with me today. So if you're in the building, um, open your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. We'll deal with these two verses. And um, I want to start back our reading as more and more people start coming. You can, you can start back to how we used to do it, y'all. Y'all know how we do. Uh, the Bible says, pay attention to the public reading of Scripture. And um, that's not just for the preacher. That's for the congregation. I don't know what it was in the old church. It was something about reading the Scripture together. The responsive readings and creeds. How many of y'all remember that? Oh, man. Oh, man. Anyway, let's go ahead. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 through 12. One, two, three, read. In view of this, keep going. We'll make you worthy of his calling. And by his power, fulfill your every desire to do good. And your work produced by faith so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified by you and you by him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today, uh, in this brief time together, I want to talk about how to handle difficult seasons well. How to handle difficult seasons well. Father, we thank you that you are the God that supersedes any circumstance. And Lord God, I thank you that you are God and that you transcend every season that we're in and you're able to help us navigate any circumstance, any person, any issue, anything. And Lord God, help us to learn the secret of maximizing what we need to maximize and get what we need to get in every season of life. Help us not to see a difficult season as an off season, um, but as an on season. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust in Jesus' name. Everybody agree with that said? You may be seated. You may be seated. How to handle difficult seasons well. Um, You know, the question we got to ask ourselves is, How do we tend to handle difficult seasons? Um, You know, some of the ways in which we handle difficult seasons, if we're honest, is we have unhealthy forms of self-medication. You know, whether you you just check out and you veg out. How many of you check out and veg out? Uh, Tell the truth and shame the devil. You turn on Netflix and you just let it roll. You, you fall asleep on it, wake up, and you go back to what you missed while you were asleep. Tell the truth. You're on YouTube. You're on, you on everything. Trying to, you, you're on Hulu, Voodoo, all of it, right? You, you, you're on everything just saying, I, I, just need, I just need to veg out. You know, 
because we need some type of outlet. Not that, not that having, uh, you, know, uh, you know, some time doing that uh, is necessarily wrong. We got some other unhealthy ways. We don't have to mention. You know what they are. You know what some of the ways in which you have an unhealthy relationship with certain things during uh, 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 that, that type of time. You may call up some people from your past. Or y'all got quiet on that part. He said he preaching too soon. Um, some of us just detach. Some of us in difficult seasons, we just detach from everything. We'll talk more about that later, but we, we, we tend to detach from so many different things around us, even the healthy things that are for us. Not only that, we, we, we tend to be complainers too. You know, you, you know, how, you, you know how, how, how we are. How, you know how you know you're complaining? When you say, I don't mean to complain. That's, that's, that's pretty much how you know you, you're complaining. Um, I, I hate when people say, you know, I didn't mean to complain, but you're complaining. You, you meant to. Like they say, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you cut me off, right? <laughs> um, so, so, so you meant to. Um, so, so these are some ways in what we have, what happens in difficult seasons. Another thing that many times and sometimes can happen to us is we fall into depression, and when I'm talking about depression, I'm not talking about a clinical depression. I'm just talking about a depression that any human being can experience. And we tend to fall into that. So common mistakes that we make in those times, guess what we do? We don't pray. We just stop praying. You ever, you ever, had, you ever been under something so heavy that you, you just couldn't talk to God about it? Or you tired of talking to God about it? You ever had something going on in your life where you were just sick of talking to God about it? So in that, in that, in that particular time, the, the, but the, that's a mistake we make, though, is not thinking God cares. Another thing that we do that's a mistake in hard seasons is we, are not, we don't inform ourselves, our minds, biblically. The greatest lies that happen in your life and that the enemy can plant in your life is usually the vulnerability of a difficult season. Because in a difficult season, you're grasping at whatever you can to make sense of it. And when you're not informing your mind biblically, what can tend to happen is you can, if you're not saying anything to your mind from God's word, the enemy will say something to your flesh from his world. Oh, y'all missed that. In other, in other words, if you're not getting in God's word, the, 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 the enemy will give you stuff for your flesh from his world. But not only that, we make bad choices during this time, bad seasons. Because you know, when, the, when we're trying to get the season to end quickly, we tend to make decisions too quickly. Be careful of in a difficult season making a decision based on the season and not based on prayer and God's guidance. I, I, I told some people during the past, some people I was shepherding during the pandemic, I said, be careful of the decisions you make during the pandemic. I said, because some of you are making decisions that's not based on prayer, but boredom and frustration. And I said, and I said this pandemic one day going to be over and you're going to wonder whether or not you made a pandemic decision or a destiny decision. See, you, you, so, so, so you, have to, you, you, you have to be very, very careful. But one of the biggest mistakes that people make in difficult seasons is failure, even in that difficult season, to see that they are still on assignment. Your difficult season isn't a detour from purpose. I would say 
biblically and exegetically and theologically, you're most in God's will in the difficult season. <laughs> because because you're, you're most in God's will because God is up to the most when you're in pain. And if you miss out on the reality that God is up to his best and his most in that particular season, you say, I can't wait till the storm is over. I can't wait till I get to the other side. Then what you'll do is you'll mismanage the difficulty and prolong the spiritual grade that you got to stay in. Because God don't skip grades, family. You know that, right? God, God, everybody, no matter how smart you are and astute you are and devotional you are, you got to go through every grade. You got to go take every quiz and you got to take every test. You got to take every exam. You got to do your midterms. You got to do your finals. You got to do your papers because the way God's sanctification process works is you have to go through every step of what he wants to do in you and through you and work in you. And if you mismanage that, you'll prolong, you'll stay back like we used to say back in the day. You're going to stay back. <laughs> and what's interesting, though, is about Thessalonians. It's an interesting <coughs> book because at this time, people are wondering what difficulty they were going on. It was possibly Nero or some other things that was going on. Um, but when, when, when you look in the book of Acts and you see Paul going through Thessalonica, um, he goes and preaches and they begin an uproar in Thessalonica and Paul ends up getting kicked out of Thessalonica. But what I find interesting about the, the book of Thessalonians is Thessalon the book of Thessalonians is one of the books that was written to the, to the youngest Christians in the New Testament. They were very spiritually young. So they, Paul was only there with them for a, for a very short period because he had to leave. So what he figured he'd do is he'd send his young buck, Timothy, to Thessal uh, Thessalonica, in order to engage them and see how they were doing it. First Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13 said he was going to check on their faith. What's powerful, though, about Paul's deal in engaging the Thessalonians is that the Thessalonians, it's, it's certain things that's striking to note. I got to say these things as we get into the text. What strikes me about Paul's letter to the Thessalonians is first, that they were so young in faith. Number two, that they responded to the gospel so well. This is, this is foundational. Paul, we're going to see here as we go through the text that your response to the gospel is extremely important. In other words, when you get saved and you take the faith seriously, it's very important. Now you get saved and do what you want to do. Okay. And so their faith in Jesus was so radical, which... Faith in Jesus should be radical without having to say radical. But because we don't, because faith in Jesus doesn't mean much, we have to add an adjective to it in order to show what it really is supposed to be in the first place. So their faith in Jesus was so radical in its commitment and their transformation by the gospel so clear that they had stability in the faith that transcended what they were going through. In other words, <coughs> authentic conversion always leads to the ability to go through anything difficult and survive it. It, 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 it does not matter, right? And so, and so even at this early stage, 
They had a level of stability even though they had very little discipleship. They were hungry and grabbing everything they could get and digest the minerals of the truth that God had given to them. One of the things I got to ask you is, are you digesting truth? Some of us have been Christians for a long time and we can't stand nowhere. Some of us hop, skip, and jump from thing to thing with no stability. We complain a lot and never find a way to maturely deal with difficulty. But these Thessalonians, they were young Christians and the gospel, God got a hold of them. And when God got a hold of them, they ingested every single thing that God had for them. Have you ever had a hunger? See, I'm concerned today because I see people's survival rate. And it's frustrating. I'm like, are you ever in God's word? Are you ever in prayer? Have you ever just pressed into God's presence consistently and ever in your walk with Christ ever felt like you had a level of intimacy with him? Ever? Ever? Or is your life plagued with distance from the one who gave his life for you? Because, because what, what does this have to do with managing difficult seasons, everything, everything. But what's interesting is, is even with all that they were dealing with, they had practical maturity issues, but their faith in Jesus and stability wasn't up for grabs. And so trials many times, listen, are the barometer for what type of faith you have and where you are. Your trials isn't to show God where you are. Do you hear me? God already know where we at. Yeah, I'll put it a preposition at the end of it. God already know where you at, fam. Many times we lack self-awareness for where we really are. And so I want to help you because you're in three stages of life. You heard it before here. You're either in a trial coming out of a trial or headed into one. <clears throat> Let me say that again for, for the people in the back. You're either in a trial, coming out of a trial, or going into one. And the question never is, it's, is it going to happen? The question is when and how you're going to handle it. So I'm trying to give you some preparatory principles that will be pertinent to your progress. Do you hear me? And so as we progress through this pericope, I hope you find some principles that are pertinent for your progress. Help me today. And so I got one point and one point only, and I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm gone. One point and one point only. Don't let the details of the struggle dictate God's big picture. <laughs> Don't let the details of the struggle dictate God's big picture for your life. Don't let it. Don't let it. Don't let it. It's interesting. <clears throat> that in the preceding section from verses 1 <clears throat> through the 10th verse. There's a lot of things <clears throat> that really could have been a deterrent to the Thessalonians handling their difficulty well and growing. Watch some of the things. We, I'm going to just read it. And, and, and we have to be careful of living in the weeds of our circumstances. Look at what the text says from verse 2 to verse 10. I'm going to just read it. <clears throat> It says, we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, <laughs> and rightly so, since your faith is flourishing. This is what he's saying while they're going through a trial. And love of each other has for one another is increasing. 
Do you love Christians while you're suffering? Let me keep reading. Just meditate on that. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you among God's churches and your perseverance. We're going, I want you to underline that, your perseverance. And underline this in all the, the persecutions. Then underline this, afflictions that you are enduring. Next, it is clear evidence of God's righteous judgment that you will be counted worthy of God's kingdom for which you also are suffering. So they still in it. I want you to remember that. So since it is just for God to replay with affliction, those who afflict you, sometimes you got to know that somebody going to get it that got you. That's, that's the spiritual petty in you. But, but, but you know what? There's some people that God going to get that got you. And, 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 and it's okay to feel good about it as long as you ain't doing it. Y'all, y'all missed that. Y'all got to listen to a sermon from a few weeks. Anyway, and um, he said, since, he said, and to give relief to you who are afflicted along with us, this will take place at the revelation of the Lord. So it may not even happen to Jesus come back. Can you hear that when you're struggling? Can you hear that it may, may never stop? that you may be in an extended trial. See, y'all don't like that kind of preaching. Y'all like, your season is about to come. And, and in the next season, in about six days, God is about to break through. Come on, somebody. And God, one, two, three, count. And if you give a seed of $600, you're gonna, that ain't what Paul's talking about. See, that's some devil preaching. They believe you can buy your way out of spiritual growth. Ah, help me today. Anyway, that's, you know, that's for free. It says, when he takes vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God, on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. He tells them all of this. <coughs> so several things here. All of this that, the, that they're going through, Paul begins to encourage them in the midst of it. <laughs> he says, I want to encourage you that you as young believers have perseverance. Somebody say Perseverance. This is very, very important because perseverance means you have consistency in the midst of adversity. That may, it's the beauty of us not allowing anything in our current season to get in the way of what our lives should spiritually be normally about. Some of us are blaming the pandemic, the church, your family, etc. But stop blaming the pandemic and others for what God is exposing in you already. Some of us say, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I'd have been here. And I, I can't believe, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I wouldn't be so depressed. If it wasn't for the pandemic, no, God used the pandemic to show you how much of a spiritual sucker you are. That's what he did. And you have spent the, the pandemic waiting for the pandemic to be over so that your life can get going, but life is always going for the Christian. Life never stops for us. <laughs> I, I, you look in the Bible, you look at the famines anyway, I got to move. He said, your persecution, persecution, talking about, he said, your faith in all persecutions, faithfulness is the key here. Commitment to fruitfulness in the midst of hardship. Are you committed to being fruitful 
even though there's a famine. Let me tell you something about God, your God, your God and my God. God doesn't need man to provide him soil to make fruit grow. God, I've seen, y'all been around Philly. You ever see the concrete on the ground and something just growing out of the middle of it? You're like, how in the world this thing find root? But it spread its roots and whatever it can spread its roots in and begin to shoot its head out from outside of the concrete because it's not going to let the concrete that surrounds it stop it from growing. You got to not let the concrete situations that you're going through stop you. You got to grow up, family. And these are young Christians. We ain't talking about no season set. These young bucks. Millennial Gen Z. That's, what the, that's what's in the text. Y'all, you have enough. If, you, if you've been saved, you have enough to stand firm. That's a good word for somebody. You have enough to stand firm because of what Christ has done for you. You don't need to be a Christian for 30 years to know how to get through a trial. You don't. You don't. You don't. You, all, you got it. That's why the Bible says God has given you everything you need for life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called you by his glory and excellence. So when you get saved, God gives you a new operating system. And when you get a new operating system, listen, you don't have to have all the files on your hard drive. You don't have to have all the apps before you work. You, in a matter of fact, you, you, you don't have to have all that stuff on there. God can stop you from crashing. Some of y'all get that on the way home. Somebody get that on the way home. He said, your afflictions that you endure, endurance is resilience in the midst of challenges. And so Paul says, I pray for you always in verse 11. <coughs> he said, I'm praying for you always. He said, I uh, he said, this, this is what I always do. But I like, he said, in view of this. And so we went up there and we saw that, right? <sighs> now, this is interesting what Paul about to say. Don't curse at the pastor. This is just what this, I'm just preparing you for what the text is saying. <sighs> so they're going through all these trials. They're going through all this drama. They're going through all this struggle. And what, at this point, you would think somebody, you know how the prayer of faith we do. And I, God, I command every trial in their life. I, I speak to the devil where he is. And I command, see, we like all of that, right? We, we like, 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 like prayer for the ejection seat from the situation. But Paul, does, he doesn't pray this powerful prayer. You know, you know, we, you know when you're praying and you're really just talking encouragingly, but it's really not hitting heaven, it's hitting the ceiling. He prays something crazy. I'm not saying praying for, to get out of a trial is unbiblical, but I think it's interesting he prays this. He said, in view of this, we always pray for you that our God will make you worthy of his calling. I'd be, man, you, like, I'd, you know, if I'm in the hospital, don't pray that for me. Right? If I'm dealing with issues... I need you to say, in the name of Jesus, sickness go. If somebody is oppressing or persecuting me, <clears throat> I need y'all to go protest, right? And pray that God would remove. 
But it's interesting. Something different is going on here. It's not that Paul has never prayed a prayer of faith for people to be healed. He did. But in this situation of persecution, it's something about it that makes Paul not pray for them to get out of the trial. He prays, actually, that God would make them worthy of their calling. What does that mean? Making them worthy of the calling of which he's called, look, look, look how it reads, that our God will make you worthy. That God would make you, make you, make you, make you. Are you listening? Not that I would make me, but that he would make me in the trial. <laughs> as painful as it is, some of you have been through unending battles. And deliverance isn't the best glorification all the time. Sometimes the best glorification is staying there. Um, Paul is praying that they would remain in the trial. Y'all not, I, maybe I'm by myself. He's praying that they stay there. And get out, and that God would get out of them what he wants them to receive. Paul prays for people who are in a trial, not deliverance, but for a deep sense of calling. Paul concerns himself with praying for them to suffer well. You lost a family member. Suffer well. You got cancer. Suffer well. Bank account is looking crazy. Suffer well. You lost everything. Suffer well. You're going through emotional strain. Suffer well. Now, it's interesting that we have to ask ourselves is do we suffer well? Do you suffer well? Do we suffer well? Do we say, God, have you ever said in a trial, God, get out of me everything you want while I'm in this? Whatever it takes. Whatever you got to remove, whatever you got to break, do it. That's a scary prayer. It's a scary prayer. Don't sleep on it. It's a very, very scary prayer. Somebody say, I don't know if Paul's saying this. I don't know if Paul's saying that. I think Paul just saying, man, that they would be all right. I, I rebuke. That's why y'all quiet. I, I kind of don't feel that past. I don't think that's exegetically accurate. As a matter of fact, I'm going into my apps and I'm on Google right now, half paying attention to this sermon to see if you tell them the truth. Because I don't think the Bible would ever tell anybody to pray that somebody would stay in a hellacious situation in order that they would grow. David says in Psalm 4.1, I call, O God of my righteousness, you have given me relief when I was in my distress. 
Notice the preposition wasn't from. Everything, every word matters. <laughs> he didn't say from, he says in. Because God can do a work in you while you're in it without taking you out of it. And he can, and listen, when you're walking with him, when you're really walking with him, you can feel delivered without being taken out. Deliverance is based on perspective. If you blame everybody around you, you missing things. If you, if you, if, listen, you got to say, God, I don't like being in this. I'm going to be honest. We're not acting like we masochists, right? Come on, bring it on. Come on, God. Bring me some trial. No, nah, you wilding, right? Like this ain't, this ain't the WWE. We preparing for a fight. We ain't doing that. But when God happens to put you in something. You say, God, this is an ending for a reason. I don't know what it is, but the way you usually work is you're trying to do something. Help my mind to change, God. Help me to stop pointing the finger and looking around it. Help me, Lord God, to begin to be nurtured by truth. Help me to see the dross, when the, when, 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 the, when the smelter, listen, when the smelter heats up the precious metal, the dross comes to the top, that bubbly stuff, that's the impurities. And it's a milky looking substance that goes over it. That's other metals that's intermixed in the purity of the metal being able to be the metal that it's supposed to be. And the heat, listen, is the mechanism to extract what shouldn't be there? Many of us, when we look at gold, we say, oh, that gold looked nice. But if you heated that gold up, you will see it begin to change colors, distribute, and stuff come to the top. Because you're looking at it from an external standpoint, but a smelter knows that there is no gold that's fully pure and that it has to go through a heating process. You may be gold, but you got some stuff inside of you that God has to put you in some trials into to heat your life up, to bring out of your life what shouldn't be in your life, to break what shouldn't be in your life. But what I like about God is he never overheats the trial. God will never, if you overheat anything, you'll hurt it. What's beautiful about the smelter when he's heating up metal, he never overheats it because it'll destroy the integrity of it. But he, he watches the temperature. He watches what he's heating up. He watches the temperature. He watches what he heats up. He watches because he wants to balance extracting the mess out while keeping the heat at the right level to preserve what's good in it. That's what God does to you. He's trying to preserve the good he put in you. That's why he makes you worthy of your calling. He makes you worthy of your calling. I like the way one writer said it. He said, God teaches us in suffering, in a suffering condition. <clears throat> to attend to our duty more than our deliverance. <laughs> Y'all hear that? He says we need to seriously inquire what is the duty God desires for us under the present dispensation. He, he quotes Acts 9, 6. He says, Lord, what will you have me to do? 
There is no condition or trial in the world that does not give a man or woman the opportunity for the exercise of some special grace or the doing of some special duty. This is the work of a Christian in every state and in every new trial to mind what new duty God expects. That's fire. That's fire. I don't like it when I'm in it, but it's helpful. It's helpful. He says your calling. He says that he will make you worthy of your call. What calling? The calling of all believers. Somebody said, what am I called to do? Guess what? I'm going to tell you something real simple. You want to know your calling? You think you, you think you're called to be an entrepreneur? You think you're called to be a pastor? You think you're called to suffer? Did you know that was a part of your calling? Kind of joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect work in you. Don't be surprised by the fiery trial that is among you. Right? Right. Those who walk godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And they rejoiced and glorified God because it reflected in their life what God was doing in them, that they would join in the sufferings of Christ. That we may attain to the sufferings of Christ and the, resur the resurrection from the dead and be the fellowship. Fellowship, you're, you're closest to Jesus, intimate-wise, when you're in something that makes you lean into the cross. <laughs> listen, when you're in a, when, listen, let me, let, me, let me tell you something. Let me just paint a picture for you. If you was in Center City at the highest building with a corner office overseeing the school, you had three assistants, a personal assistant, an executive assistant, okay? You had a personal chef. You understand what I'm saying? You lived in Society Hill. You had a, a driver, and you, you understand what I'm saying? You sit at the, the board table, and you got on, uh, you know, fly outfits. You understand? That was tailored. They bring the, they bring the, you don't even go in the store. They bring the stuff to you. And you married to the most finest person on the planet. You, you, you may not even know God at that point. Because <laughs> many of us can't handle it. Many of, us, many of us are where we are because it's a grace that God hasn't given us some of the stuff we actually want. All right, let me move. Count you worthy of your calling. And listen, then he says, and by his power, fulfill every desire to do good. Fulfill your every, that's interesting, your every desire to do good and your work produced by faith. Every word matters. Keep that up there. He says, and by his power, fulfill. That word fulfill here means satisfy. Every desire to do good. What happens is when God purifies you, your desire to do good comes from what he views as good. It's very important. He said, every, in other words, in suffering tough season, God develops good desires in you. John 15, 2 says, every branch in me that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. So some of your tough seasons is God cutting at stuff that got to go. And what ends up happening is the thing you used to like 
that you used to pray about, God cuts it off, it's gone. So it's not pulling on you in that way to pray that direction anymore because it or he or she or they are no longer in your life. And so you become more focused even though you went through that piece of pain. But now you, your prayers are undistracted because the thing that God cut off is now gone. I don't know who I'm talking to today. God will use stripped down seasons to help you to get to the best of what he has placed in you and to work in you what isn't there. You will pray God's desires. You begin to pray his desires. So the question is, when he talks about works produced by faith, there are things he wants you to maximize in hard seasons. I'll give you some few things and I'll be done. He wants you to talk to him. I know that sounds crazy. God saved you to be in a relationship with him. Simply enough, he wants you to talk to him. Another thing, he wants you to remain healthy in gospel community. Why? Because when we go through trials, we tend to isolate ourselves. And if you've isolated yourself and barricaded yourself in your spiritual life, what will happen is, is you'll go through trials and not grow because trials, you don't get growth from just your time with God. You get growth from input from other believers. I'm about, uh, anyway, let me move on. Inform your mind and heart about the role of suffering in your spiritual growth. Many of us don't have a theology of suffering. We have a theology of the come up. And, 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 and if you don't learn to be a master of a difficult season, you got to learn how to master it. You got to learn how to master it, not to mask it. Not, you don't act like nothing's how, oh, I don't, the, uh, you know, some people, they got cancer talking about something. I don't have it. I'm like, well, what are you going to heal you of if he, you don't tell them you got it? God never healed nobody of something that they ain't tell him he had, they had. So anyway, y'all heard me say that before. Some of y'all knew, y'all ain't heard that. Um, one of the things you really got to do during difficult times is keep short accounts. Because when you go through trials, you're easily hurt. And many times what you can do is absorb things that aren't real. I've had to do that myself. Because I can be kind of stanky when I'm not walking with the Lord in my trial. I know I'm by myself. I know all of y'all got a halo over your head. And you're walking in cross-centeredness and you pick up your cross daily. And it drags and people can see the splinters all over the place. Right? <laughs> But every now and then in my trial, I get petty. And sometimes I get sick of people. And they say something to me that just triggered me. And I may say something that's not quite pastoral. Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm alone. Right? Um, apologize. Listen, and, and, and this leads me to the next one. Apologize when you know you gave people more than they deserved. There's sometimes... In trials, when I'm in pain, I've gone off on people in a way they didn't deserve. And I was letting them being a lightning rod for my pain. Ain't nobody, okay, I'm by myself. Mm. Next one, don't be afraid to ask for help. See, ask for help 
because many of us are prideful. And we like the testimony of I did it by myself. But the Christian life was never meant to be a solo mission. Only person was on a solo mission was Jesus. That's it. He, he did a solo mission so we wouldn't have to do one. And our solo mission would have been hell forever. <laughs> Ask God to give you clarity on what he wants out of you and in you in this season. The text then says, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified by you and you by him according to the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus. So this is important. God wants to get glory in you and he wants to get glory out of you. Let me say that again. He wants to get glory in you, but he also wants to get glory out of you. Listen to this quote and then I'll get ready to end. You cannot work with iron. Listen to me, while it remains cold and hard. You can't work with it. But you put it in the fire. And you make it red hot in the fire. And you may stamp it. You may make impressions upon it. You push on it and push away excess metals and you put it in the cool for a little while, and then you put it back on the heat, and then you put it in the cool, but you're working on it. That's what the smelter does. And what he does is when everything is finally, when he can see his face in it, when he looks up and he sees his reflection, he puts it in the cool and he can see his reflection. If he doesn't see his reflection, he knows he needs to put it back in the fire. God wants to see his face in you. He wants to see his face in you. He wants to see his face. He wants you to look like him. And listen, finally, usually we don't identify favor on someone's life because their church is growing exponentially. We, that's how we usually do it because they get money. People get money and economic increase and people get free. We, we, we view favor very lopsided. But actually... Favor can be suffering, growing, and looking like Jesus. Hear me. You don't realize it. What's an embarrassment in the eyes of man? Listen, is a thumb up in the eyes of God. Some of you in some things, you're so discouraged because you're in, you're in the weeds of your pain. God says, lift up your head and look at him. Some of you in a hospital bed looking at this. Some of you are sitting in your living room. Some of you in the car. Some of you tears may be rolling down your face now because you're like, God, I can't believe I've been in this this long and I haven't gotten this perspective. Well, you got it now. And so now it's time to treat this season in a Christ in a way. Is wanting deliverance wrong? No. But couple wanting deliverance with wanting to look like Jesus. Treat them equally. But looking like Jesus may be a little better. So I pray that as we as believers go through difficulty, that we learn the secret, the secret of sanctification and the secret of the fact 
that we can handle difficult seasons because God has ordained it. Father God, we thank you and lift you up high. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus as Savior. I want to point you to him, that you would place your confidence in his death and resurrection, that he paid the cost for your sins. If you, pl if you place your confidence in him, he takes you from being disconnected from God, which all of us are from birth, to being in connection with God. Our search team will put a link. We want to talk to you more about what it means to come to Jesus, to place your confidence in him for salvation. If you're a believer and you feel like God was speaking to you and you need prayer, if you're in here, you can stand where you are. And if you are not in here, you can stand where you are, stretch your hand up. This is for you, this message. You're going through something and you need God to change your perspective. I want to pray for you. Anyone, anyone, you're in something right now. I know we're not doing altar calls because of social distancing, but if you stand where you are, stretch your hands where you are, whether in here or out there somewhere. You're in something and you need a perspective shift. You're distracted by the trial versus interacting with God. That's where you are. You're, you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm distracted by what I'm going through. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not focusing on the divine intent of God while I'm going through this. What is God's divine intent for you? Let's go before God. Lord, your people... You have allowed and you have even ordained seasons of suffering for us. I don't like them at all. We, none of us like them at all. But Lord, some of them at times can be outright confusing, difficult seasons. They can just be outright just confusing. Why in the world is this happening? Why would God do this? You know, we've doubted your character. Because some obscene thing in this sinful world happened to us. And that's the beginning of our distance from you. Because how can God let this happen? Either he doesn't exist or he doesn't care. <laughs> Lord God, teach your people the secret of casting their cares upon you because you care for them. Teach them the secret. Teach us the secret of having good places to vent, because you, you, you had that in the word, but also good U-turns to make to return to you. Lord God, help your people, help them to say, God, I want what you have for me in my life and in my soul. And I know some things that won't happen, some things that just won't happen until I submit to your will in this difficulty. Some people feel tortured by the prolonged season of difficulty. Yet, Lord God, I pray that you would speak peace to them and give them deliverance in their distress. Give them focus and the ability to now grab a hold of all of your means of grace 
to come your direction with might and power and glory. Lord God, most of all, you said, in order that the life of Jesus may be manifested in their bodies. Help them to know, based on 2 Corinthians 11, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 3.18, rather, that suffering is a mechanism to take us from one level of glory to another 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 level of glory. Go this outer man, it's decaying. Day by day, the spirit man is being renewed. As our bodies go backwards, our spirits go forward. Lord God Almighty, strengthen us. Strengthen us. Strengthen us. And help our minds to be informed by truth. Cut off the enemy's stinking thinking. Help the strongholds in people's mind that may have been developed to be uprooted and casted out. Replace it with truth. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. Let's get our hearts and minds ready for communion. Communion is a time to celebrate commemorate and remember what Jesus has done. It's a time to see that communion is a core part of our walk with you. It's an ordinance. It's a sign of the new covenant, a sign of the new covenant. Like the Sabbath was the sign of the old covenant, the Circumcision was a sign of the Abrahamic covenant. Rainbows were a sign of the Noahic covenant. Lord, communion, the Lord's table is a sign of your eternal covenant with us. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Let us eat together. After the Passover meal, after the Passover meal, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood, blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. Let us drink together. Lord Most High, Lord Most High, we thank you for your merciful kindness, which knows no end. Thank you that what we go through isn't a sign for a lack of care, but it's an opportunity for us to see your deep care. I know it is weird to say God, but help us to understand that. I'm praying for myself at the same time. Now unto him who is able to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding gladness and joy, to him, our God and Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Everybody agree with that said? Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Take care and have an awesome, awesome week. Thank you for being with us. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, 
particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.